As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. The culture is the culture. It's 4 to 6 A to B, competitive excellence, and the brotherhood. The plan to win uh, has never changed. So the culture here and the plan to win is always going to be here at Ohio State. Welcome back to Four to Six with A and B, your Ohio State podcast, brought to you by the Athletic. This is Bill Landis, joined by Ari Wasserman. Are we got a lot to get to? Let's not bullcrap each other. Let's not bullcrap each other here. Ruben Pfeffer, risk assessment analyst. Analyst. Loaded show. We got questions. We got mailbag questions. You guys send them into the email four two six ab at gmail We got some off of Twitter. Some really good ones. We appreciate you sending those in. We'll get to those in a second. Uh, first, a little bit of uh, house. Housekeeping is that what we call it? Housekeeping, house cleaning, housekeeping, housekeeping. housekeeping. You want f- house cleaning is what I was forced to do last night before That's bed right. for three hours. <laughs> uh, our NCAA tournament bracket pool winner uh, has been has been decided. Uh, it's Marshall. I did the thing again where I didn't ask anybody to put any other identifying information other than their first name. So, Marshall, you won. Hopefully, you actually listened to the podcast. Uh, Marshall was tied with Richie. At a hundred, these are um, these are real people. They were tied at 121 points apiece, but Marshall uh, edged edged out Richie with the uh, final score prediction. Uh, both of them had Kansas winning the, the national title. Uh, Ari, you finished with 53 points, which in our pool was respectable because everybody sucked. Uh, I well, fi- my bracket was completely ruined after the first day of the tournament. Like I had Kentucky in the final four. You still finished with 20 more points than I did. I finished with 34 points which was tied uh, for the fourth fewest in the entire bracket, and the person who was in last place just didn't fill ours out. So they had a zero, and then there was two other people, and then my, my I think we should score. have the person that entered and didn't fill it out on the show. <laughs> yeah, we, should, we can bring them on, too. Um, but anyway, uh, Marshall, congrats. Because I get that. I get that. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, oh. It's just like fuck this. I don't want to. Do, <laughs> I, I might have done that. Scrapping. We we did. Yeah, I, I think I was in one, and it's very possible I forgot to fill mine out. Um. Anyway, Marshall, uh, congratulations on winning your your prize for winning the bracket pool. Is you get to come on the podcast and gloat about it, and then also uh, we'll talk about whatever you want for an episode if you, if you want to do that. We had our we had our guy Rudy on last year, um, which was actually a really good show. I thought he um, should be a host permanently. On yeah, the show. yeah. So you know who Rudy is. He set he set the bar high. You know Rudy. Uh, he set the bar really high. Uh, Something at the Lollipop Club. Yeah, well, I get fucked up like the dance. Uh, <laughs> All right, we're uh we're about uh three minutes into the show. We've got a uh, we've got a Wolf of Wall Street reference, and we have a uh, 
uh, what is it? Uh, Along came Polly reference. That's right. So let's see if we can get one more obscure one in there. That's right. Marshall, send me an email, blandis at theathletic.com, and uh, we'll try to set that up and figure out a time after the spring game um, sometime in, in maybe May or June. We'll have you on. You can glue it, and we'll talk about what, whatever you'd like in an off-season podcast. Congratulations again for being the smartest person uh, in a bracket that was full of terrible brackets. Uh, news before we get to the questions. Um, one that like literally just happened right before we recorded this, uh, Ohio State landed a commitment in the class of 2023 from Lakota West safety Malik Hartford. Um, I think like a really good get for them. You know, he's a, he's a top like 150-ish kind of player from the state of Ohio. And I think RU and I have talked quite a bit about like what this class could look like. Um, they're building a solid base with those kind of guys in this class. Like there's not a ton of star power, I think, in Ohio in 2023, but there is a, a, like a handful of, I think, pretty solid players in the top 200 that can help you boost your class ranking in the end. And obviously good, good players, you know, on top of that, Malik Harford is one of them. Um, it's kind of like Perry Iliano's first recruiting win for Ohio State. He had recruited Malik at Cincinnati. And, and once Perry came to Ohio State, like Malik became like a priority target for, for them. So I think Perry banged the drum pretty hard to get Malik Hartford in the class, and they ended up beating Cincinnati, Michigan, Notre Dame, Michigan State, um, where West Virginia, Kentucky, I think, were the, the schools. Um, in, I guess you're in, in a really good position when you got to beat the drum to get a top 150 player, but that's good. Yeah. And I do think that there is something to the idea of – like, to me, if you've got a guy who's a legitimate top 150 player in Ohio, I think that should be an automatic take even at Ohio State. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I just like for the, the makeup of the roster. But you want to hear something funny, and it's this is um, something that reminded me of that. But I um, was writing about Texas A&M on Wednesday morning, Bill. And because Lebius Overton reclassified to 22 and signed with A&M last week, A&M broke the record for most um, five stars in a class in the history of recruiting since 2000 anyway. And that was with eight and they signed eight of the top 24 players in the country, which is bonkers. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, a third of the top 24 players. Uh, that's a class unlike one I've ever seen before. Yeah, like but you six of them are defensive linemen, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they are. And uh, want to hear something really funny. Mm-hmm. Alabama's average player ranking from the year before was higher. <laughs> So the reason why I bring this up is because I don't care how top-heavy your class is. You need guys like Malik Hartford in there. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that he's even the bottom rung, but this is the type of guy that keeps your, your average player rating at a higher level. Yes. So, like, instead of getting a three-star prospect out of Florida, that you know, like, this is the type of guy that can, can bolster that rating and also I think is good for the program because you want Ohio kids in your program. And I think that every year they're straying more and more away from it. So anytime you've got a guy like this – especially at the safety position. A lot of these Ohio safeties have tended to turn out pretty good for Ohio State. I think safety and offensive line are the two Ohio positions. Maybe linebacker um, is another one. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I like this commitment a lot. And, you know, you're never going to hang your head uh, low for exciting a kid that's in the top 140. And this is the type of guy, too, that can go to a camp this summer, run a really f- – fast 40 or do something crazy and shoot up into the top 100 we see it every year yeah he's he's a big kid he's 6'3 he's like a, a well put together athlete played on both sides of the ball Lakota West um, was also like really that's good that's a great program teams. too right really good yeah good really good Ohio high school program Tegra Shabola um, Ohio State just got out of there um, I think I think Jair Brown went there too, right? Am I crazy? I'm pretty sure Jair Brown went, went to Lakota West as well. So really one of the better high school programs um, in the state of Ohio, which I think also matters. Um, and they're, they're like, they're reshaping this safety room a little bit, you know, with uh, the group they just signed, obviously like Sonny Styles will be here in June. And like, they're going to take probably, th- I think they're going to take at least three. I think they could take four if it's the right four in 2023 at that position. Um, I, I think that's a spot. I mean, when you look at the roster, there's like a dozen players um, on the roster right now. I think it's a spot that's going to have some turnover, which which kind of already started this week, which is the other kind of bit of news. Um, Bryson Shaw and Legend Cavazos both entered the transfer portal. Legend is more of a corner, but he was playing some nickel, so I think you can kind of count him as a safety as well if you wanted to. But the two, one like very veteran safety guy who started 12 games last year, and another guy who at least been in the program a couple of years are kind of out the door because. Um, there's just guys that I think have established themselves, you know, much higher on, on the depth chart than them. And it was going to be hard for them to get on the field. So I don't think it's like a, you know, I don't think it's a major deal. They're late at corner. If you were to consider Cavazos a corner and take him out of that room. Now they have like six corners on the roster, which is kind of low, but um, 
I think if there's six corners you feel good about, then it's okay. But uh, getting closer and closer to 85 with those. This two. might be a dumb a dumb thought, but I want to know what your take is on this before we get to questions. Mm-hmm. So the thing about Legend Cavazos in his recruitment was that he wasn't a very uh, polished football player in high school, but he had athleticism that jumped off the page, right? Yes. And I remember I went to a random. Well, I was in South Florida for some reason, and I found out the day that I got there that there was a a camp happening out there. And I went and I watched him, and that was the day that he had that crazy spark score where he was able to jump high. And mm-hmm. athleticism-wise, he was off the charts. Yes. What is your take on uh, Ohio State signing players like that that aren't polished football players but are super athletic? Like, are they past that point in their recruit like like in their evolution as a program where they need to be taking guys that are raw like that? Or do you think it's good to have five of those in your program every given year? I don't think I'd take five of them. I, I like taking a but guy. But they had probably a five on their roster at any given one point, right? Yeah, yeah. I think I think that's probably fair. Um, I, I don't hate that that profile. Um, it depends It depends on, I think, the where your roster is and like what you're doing that cycle. If I recall correctly, like Ohio State was in pretty dire need of some corners back when it signed Legend Cavazos, and then I, I don't think they signed any in 19. And then like in, in 20, I think the two that they signed were uh, – uh, Ryan Watts, excuse me, let's say Ryan Turner for some reason. Ryan Watts and Legend Cavazos, and like neither one of those guys was like a pure corner. So in that instance, I didn't love it. Um, but I don't, I don't like automatically kind of hate that kind of player. Um, it is funny to me. Like I remember, like during the maybe funny is the right word, but like during the the coaching transition from Urban Meyer to Ryan Day, we were all trying to figure out like, are they going to be able to keep this recruiting class together? And like we talked a ton about Legend Cavazos and whether or not he was going to stay, stick with Ohio State through the coaching transition. He, like, he decommitted, and there was like this drama around that. Not that he created it, but it was like, we, uh, were you going to get him? Were you going to get him? He's going to get back in the class. And, like, he, he was got like back a symbolic in the class. figure about whether it was going to work out. Right, and then it's just like, it's you know he never got on the field here. <laughs> now he's going to transfer somewhere else um, where, where he'll get a chance to play more. He just wasn't going to get – he wasn't going to beat out – Denzel Burke, Cameron Brown, J.K. Johnson, and Jordan Hancock a corner, and he wasn't going to beat out Tanner McAllister and Cameron Martinez at nickel. So, like, I get it. I think it makes sense for him. Um, and, yeah. and Bryson Shaw, too. Bryson Shaw was not going to play ahead of Josh Proctor, Ronnie Hickman, Court Williams. Kai Stokes is really making a move. It's just like there's a lot of guys there. Um, so, you know. when guys- and I think we're kind of in the point, Bill, too, where we have to stop looking at transfers as failures. No, no. it's I, I don't – or not not automatic. Some, sometimes it is. Sometimes it isn't. I, I'm not sure yeah. that either of, of – these are I don't know. They both of those players committed to Ohio State at kind of weird times in the program trajectory and maybe in a normal cycle I don't I don't know if those are guys who would ultimately end up at Ohio State, at least not Brace and Shaw. Um but I don't know. Like Brace and Shaw started twelve games last year. So Yeah. And he had some nice moments. I know he had some bad ones too, but um it's not doesn't mean he's gonna be a bad player wherever he goes next. And I think I think in the long run for if they're two guys who want to play a lot, I think it, it probably makes sense for them to, to look somewhere else other than Ohio State. So, yep. All right, questions. Again, the email is four two six ab at gmail Thank you so much for everyone who sent those in, and for those of you who sent the questions in on Twitter. Uh, the first question. Uh, I let off with this one because we got to watch a lot of practice like since the last time we did a podcast, so I figured this might have been like a good jumping-off point to just talk about that a little bit. Um, Patrick Weider emailed in and said, after seeing Saturday's practice, do you think the defensive line has the potential to be better than last year? And, and yes, um, that's kind of what I wrote about after the Student Appreciation Day practice. We got to watch like an hour of basically real football. Like It wasn't always live, but there was some live. There were definitely some veterans who were sitting out, but it was – way more than we've gotten to see at any other point this spring that we've gotten to see during spring, probably in three or four years. Um, so I did find it a little bit enlightening. And I think the thing that was most apparent was just kind of how much you felt the defensive line throughout the scrimmage periods and the one-on-ones that we got to watch. Now, I, I, I think in the moment I, I am probably guilty of getting a little carried away with it. And I'm sure other people on the beat are as well. When you go back and like, think about like, okay, who was actually out there? They were missing some offensive linemen. Um, so like, I don't want to make too, too much of it because it wasn't always good on good, but even, th- even so like watching Jack Sawyer and JT Tuimolo while going one-on-one against Paris Johnson and Dewan Jones, I thought that the two defensive guys probably won a little more often than they lost, which I thought was impressive and a little bit encouraging. And it just felt good about kind of the depth they had there with those four or those two guys 
Zach Harrison when he mixed in there. The tackles, there's probably four or five tackles I think you can feel okay about. So, um, yeah, I think the defensive line can be good. I think it needs to be, and that's we can get to that a little bit later with another question. Um, but it was cool to, like, Jim Knowles was talking about it a lot, but we never really got to see it. And then we got to see it on Saturday. And I felt like if you were if you were hoping for a step forward from that group, I thought there were some encouraging things. Yeah, I mean, I think this was just the summer of hoping that JT and Jack turn into what they are supposed to turn into. I mean, I, I think that that's like the entire story of this national championship hunt rush. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I think that's it right there. It's either they do it or they don't. Um, I found this next question from Zachary Pop, who sent it on Twitter, like pretty difficult to answer, actually. So I'm curious your take on it. He, uh, well, there's two. Um, but we'll what, the do, potato one? Yeah, we'll do the, we'll do the first one first, though. Uh, who is the most irreplaceable player on the roster? I pulled up the two deep just to make sure I wasn't forgetting somebody obvious. And like the person that jumped out to me, um, initially, I, I thought the question was easy. So I'm very curious to know. Well, I thought it was easy too. I I, I guess the idea, and I I like kind of trimmed the question. I, th- I think the 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 question was posed with like even if if CJ Stroud was abducted by aliens and Kyle McCord had to play quarterback, like I don't think you'd feel awful I don't, about that. I don't know that CJ CJ Stroud's not my answer. Okay, then who is it? I'm building up some suspense here. Uh, mine, my, the one that jumped out to me was Trey Henderson. Yeah, I can, I mean I, I think I, I think there's. I think with Stroud and Henderson and Jackson Smith and Jigba, even though there are other guys at those positions that you could reasonably feel good about, and I think Ohio State could still build good offenses around, there is a difference between what they do at their peak level and what everyone else at the position does. Yeah, well, here's here's a question I have for you. Who's a who's better at their position, C.J. Stroud or Jackson Smith and Jigba? It's Jackson, right? I would say Jackson right now, yeah. And who's better at their position, C.J. Stroud or Trey Henderson? I think I might go CJ. Okay. So then my answer then would be third on uh, out of those three alone. Like who did you think? I didn't have an, I didn't have a great answer. Like I, I, I cause it, would it be one of those three? Yeah, I think it would have to be. And I, I thought maybe like a, the more interesting kind of thought I like kind of rolled around in my head a little bit Paris was like, Johnson was maybe? like who could, who could grow into that guy? Like who grew to be that guy? Like even Paris Johnson, it's like, yeah, probably. But then it's like, well, if they had the so if Paris Johnson was abducted by aliens and someone else had to play, like Donovan Jackson would play. I don't know, like Josh Fryer yeah, I mean, would the, play. I guess the answer here is it's like a weird thing because offensively, they've got such great depth and a ton of talent. <coughs> Sorry, tickle in my throat. That Twitter account that is like monitoring my uh, bodily functions during the podcast is going to have a field day with that one. Have you seen that account? I have not seen that account, but I would suggest to that person that they find a better use of their time. Yeah, they, uh, they're they like, it's clear to listen. Ari didn't sniffle today. <laughs> no sniffling, but Ari coughed. That's kind of funny, actually. <laughs> no sniffling, but you could tell he had a runny nose. Okay, uh, so yeah, keep listening. I coughed. Um, but on the offensive side of the ball, I see a extremely deep and talented unit where if you say the most tremendous player is abducted by aliens and hopefully this doesn't spin off into a 25 minute discussion about space that they'll be fine with whoever would be coming off the off the bench to replace them right but then you look at the defensive side of the ball and i don't know that there's anybody that's particularly good enough to warrant that that because like my idea would be well if you lose somebody on the offense then whatever somebody will step up next man up actually applies there no big deal who's the guy that they can't lose on defense where it's like oh boy and it's like, I think maybe you could make the case that the actual answer is Denzel Burke because like he's like the best young player on the defense and that's the, the unit that needs the most work. And that's like if you took a blow to a already transitioning and thin unit from an experience standpoint, that that would be far more detrimental than losing somebody at a position where there's nine other options. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And I think Denzel Burke is the only guy on that side who like has shown a little something that makes you think like he could be elite one day. Uh, and it's not to say that there aren't other guys on the roster who will, because I think like, I think you can feel that way about JT Tuimolowau, even if the production didn't lead you down that road quite that much last year. Because I, th- I think he's a guy who could grow into that status. It's like maybe like if someone asked that question two or three games in the next season, I think I think everyone might say it's JT. Like that yeah. dude's different. Um, it is funny you say that about the offense because Ryan Day did not seem particularly pleased with like the offensive line depth 
Um, and I think rightfully so right now, at least because Josh Fryer is not practicing in the spring. It's like the only guy they have in the two deep on the offensive line who's ever like really done much is Enoch Vimahi, and he hasn't really done all that much. He's just been around a long time. Um, so beyond the starting five, it's not great there. So I think you could say any person up, up front on the offensive line right now, but you can do some shuffling there too. It's like Matt Jones can play center. Um, Donovan Jackson can play tackle and guard. Parrish Johnson could kick inside if you needed him to. So um, I don't know. The, when uh, when Zachary posed the question, he said Noah Ruggles, which like might actually <laughs> might actually be the answer. <laughs> uh, although they do have another. They Those have, guys don't get enough love, man. That's right. They have they have Jake Seibert as well. Um, I saw. I, I was scrolling through Instagram. Let me ask you this personal question about your Instagram. Uh-huh. You know, when you look at Instagram, you can like pull up that Explore page. Yes. And it just shows you like everything that you look at all the time. So, like, if you were to look at mine, what do you see? Uh, sneakers, watches, big houses, pizza. Yeah. So that's me as a human. But also, like, if you keep scrolling down, there's a lot of like recruiting information, mm-hmm. like update. Crystal ball came in, whatever. And some Twitter account posted, or I mean Instagram account with a lot of followers posted, uh, sources close to the Ohio State program say that Ryan Day is embarrassed by what happened at Michigan last year and that there's an extra emphasis on beating them this year. And I wanted to say, sources close to Ari Wasserman say that he wipes his ass when he's done going to the bathroom. Like, <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. Those are like made up. Like, yeah, I see. Yeah, I see. This. But like, That's is that like a hundred thousand followers? Yeah. Well, I will say this: he's not whoever made he or she whoever made that post isn't isn't lying because that's true. But of, of course, it's true. But the reason why I went <laughs> off that tangent is because you're like, well, Ryan Day doesn't seem too happy. It's like he, he's it's spring. He's not going to be happy with anything. But like, yeah, he's got to find something to get a bug up his butt. He's got to find something to to complain about, I guess, or to be worried about. And it's his job, and he gets paid a lot of money to make sure that they're perfect. So you know, we're not in in the coaches' meetings, and I'm sure there's a million things wrong with a lot of the guys that we're talking about, even though they're very good. But it's just like we know when they're good, and we know they're going to have the best offense in football next year. Like there's no doubt about that to me. Yeah, and I, I think maybe to like put a bow on that this particular question, I suppose if we're going to talk like out of one side of our mouth and say that C.J. Stroud might be the best quarterback in college football and is potentially number one pick in the NFL draft next year, then like he probably has to be the most irreplaceable player on the roster. Yeah, I mean, just because yeah. of the position <laughs> scarcity, I yeah, guess. So uh, we're trying to be uh, thought provoking, though. That's right. That's right. Speaking of thought provoking, the second part of Zachary's question was uh, rank the top five ways to eat a potato. Number one's French fried. Yeah. Number two's mashed. You put mashed over over a chip. Well, I didn't know if uh, chips were fried. If I could do that, see, I would separate. So, I would separate French fries and then like snacking okay. chips. Yeah. So number one would be French fry. Number two would be chips. Number three would be mashed. Number four would be baked potato, and number five would be uh, hash browns. That's good. I like potato salad. And I don't know if hash browns are fries, but I'd put potato salad in there somewhere. I like. I'm a big potato salad guy. I like a I like a German potato salad. You know what I like to to wish is that eating potatoes in any form had the same effect on your body as like eating kale. Yeah. Like, could you imagine if there was just one food that was genuinely delicious and that fat people crave <laughs> that was actually just good for you and like you could eat all you want and it wouldn't be detrimental? Like could you imagine like if it's like you're on a diet and you have to eat a bunch of grilled chicken and mashed pot- or uh, grilled chicken and mashed potatoes or any variation of of potato possible how easy it would be to be thin? You'd be like, "Okay, yeah, I'll just have uh I'll have a piece of lean chicken and an entire box of of uh pringles you know what i mean like or a can of pringles Pringles. or like how how creative that you could be with potatoes to make any diet like manageable yeah what'd you do today i kept it healthy i had a whole tin of pringles yeah i had like nine tins of pringles um and it was my pre and post workout meal (laughs) and i had some chicken for the protein and and like just replaced all vegetables with potato in every form. How much better life would be? Be great. It'd be so much easier to eat healthy. Yeah, I think that would be like like what would be your number one food wish? I guess the number one food wish would be to be able to eat everything that you want on the face of the earth at any rate, and it never impact your health negatively. Yeah, or your weight. That'd be pretty great. Yeah, but if you had to do it more specifically within the subsect of eating, I think turning potato into a magically healthy thing would probably be the number one thing that you could do yeah. to like to alter food's existence. I think that's right because you or wanna, maybe bread. You want to be able to wrap your arms around a vegetable, but that you really like in genuine like because yeah. like it doesn't matter. Like I enjoy vegetables. Like I even enjoy eating a crisp apple. 
I love like there apples. are certain things that like fruit grapes are great but i don't care how many grapes or apples or whatever else you eat it's never as satisfying as smashing french fries there's nothing you can do about that that's right unless you're like my wife and are just says things like i'm craving a salad which i find to be borderline psychopathic and uh very annoying i get that way sometimes if i oh yeah you get that way you want to just go smash a salad i do no i mean i'm being genuine like if i have if I have like a, a fried chicken on it, if I have a couple of days in a row where I just feel like like I didn't like everything I was eating was carbs and starches and like I just feel like I need to freshen things up a little bit. Sometimes I get that way. Like I had a salad, I had a salad for dinner like a couple nights ago because I felt that way. Weirdo. Okay. Yeah, it happens, man. We're getting older. Yeah, but you, gotta, yeah, gotta, but gotta mix, you, gotta yeah. mix in some greens just to feel like you're not gonna die the next morning. You know what I mean? Yeah, I get it. Yeah. All right. Here's the next question from. I mean, I'm not saying it's not important to eat them. I eat that stuff all the time. I'm saying it's not satisfying. I like an I, if I can get a nice uh, salad with some like blue cheese crumbles on it. I can get behind that. Big fan of that. It's good. A little grilled chicken on there. Works for me. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24/7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover. Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Here's a football question from Joseph D. That kind of ties in with some of what we were talking about with uh, the defensive line earlier. At least for me, it does. Uh, question is, it may be a little premature, but my early vibes for 2022 is that this team is good enough to win a national championship. What are your thoughts on that, and what would you say could be the thing that holds them back? It's pass rush for me. Like, if they can't affect other teams' quarterbacks, they're not going to win a national championship. I think that was their issue last year. Like, their defense was, was bad last year, but I think the way it was most bad was their inability to, like, put pressure on opposing quarterbacks. I feel like this question and the first one we got asked were the same thing, so I'll just stick with yours. Yeah. There's the answer is the same anyway. Yeah, there's, there's like, a little bit of, of a theme here with that one and maybe the next two. Um, so this is from Donald, um, who emailed this in. He said, I used to think that the 2023 season was the year that Ohio State was building towards, but that was when Quinn Ewers was still in the fold. Now I'm starting to seriously think that if they don't at least go to the championship in 2022, that this year will be considered a disappointment. Do you think it's championship or bust for Ryan Day? And then he added uh, that he is a Buckeye from Philadelphia, went to Father Judge High School, and his Philadelphia Catholic League through and through. Uh, Donald, Father Judge High School is like around the corner from where I grew up. I, my father went to Father Judge High School, and that's where I would have gone if I didn't go to Roman Catholic High School. So Go Bird. Shout out to Northeast Philly. Go Birds. Uh, like it's always championship or bust, right? Like Isn't that every year? What does, like, first of all, I guess, like, what does bust I think mean? it needs to be playoff or bust. I think Ohio State's taken a major step back last year. Well, that's a lot to say. I don't know if that's true. I just think they, Francisco, that's fun to say. I, uh, I just think they <laughs> there's our third movie reference. No, I don't know. I, I don't know that Ohio State coming off of what happened last year is in a position to say national championship or bust. I, like, what does bust mean? Like win a title or you're fired because that that's making not... the playoff, making the playoff and losing in the first semifinal would be a would be a a uh, waste of a season. The expectation is to is to compete for national championships. Always, yeah, I, I would say that can, that's competing. I think the only thing that's bust for Ohio State is not making the playoff. I don't think Ohio State needs to win a national title this year. I think they need to make the playoff. I don't. Yeah, I guess I guess you don't. If they don't make the playoff this year, they're in big trouble. I guess like you from don't. A perception standpoint, I guess you don't so. need to win a national title to feel fulfilled, right? You can make the playoff and then see what happens there. And, still and all he's saying is championship game. I don't know if there's much of a distinction between making the playoff and championship game loss. Yes, but but I guess well, actually winning a playoff game is important. I think winning a playoff game is important as well. But even like like Ryan Day, Ryan Day has sh- competed well in semifinal games. Like they played better than Clemson in 19 and should have won and lost as they made too many mistakes. 
and then they kick the shit out of Clemson in 2020. Like he's shown an mm-hmm. ability to do that. So it's like if he does it again, what does that really mean? I don't, I don't know. Um, I think it's just a maintaining your your spot in the. Listen, I don't think Ohio State's here, but Clemson's in very dangerous territory right now. I don't know if you've noticed this, but they are kind of fading back into the distance a they're little bit. They're in an interesting spot. I, they I are in a very interesting spot. And the reason why is because they aren't recruiting as well as they typically do. And their team was very bad last year, and we're not sure who their quarterback's going to be. Very bad for their standard. Ohio State's team last year was very bad for their standard, too. I don't know that Ohio State can is in a position where it can do that again without paying some sort of consequence for it. And maybe I'm being dramatic, but like it's just like I... Yeah. I guess it's, the, it's hard to maintain yourself in the cool kids club and you have new teams entering it. You do. So if you're not going to continue to, and, and maybe Ohio state's got more built up cred than that. Maybe I'm selling them short. You, you tell me if I am, but three years, because that's how long it'll be since the last time they won a playoff game. If they don't make the playoff this year, I think is a very long time in the grand scheme of the recruiting world to not be relevant on the national stage when it comes to the playoff dis- uh, discourse. And maybe that's like, I mean, Ohio state was in the, in the discussion for up into no- to November last year. So I'm not saying they're not part of the discourse, but I don't know if you know what I'm saying, but I do, I do know what you're saying, but I, I sometimes wonder if, if that viewpoint that I, I think I agree with, doesn't necessarily line up with the viewpoint of the players who are actually being recruited. Like, I don't, I don't, I honestly don't know if recruits pay attention to college football on that level or if they just like look at it in November, like who's in contention? No, oh, Ohio State's still there because they're always there. Okay. Like, I don't, I don't know if they're like, man, Ohio State hasn't won a national championship in yeah. seven years and historically the program has done that. Like, I don't, I don't think they think of it that way. So, what do you think's happening at Clemson then, not covering it? Do you think it's just that their coaching staff had major turnover? I think their coach sounds kind of familiar. Yeah. And I uh, think, uh, well, what I think... Their coach isn't adapting well enough? They had back-to-back generational studs at quarterback that masked whatever deficiencies they might have had. Um, and then they got a guy who wasn't quite that and tried to like run the same offense that I didn't think suited him all that well. Um, I think they've been pretty stagnant, kind of, in just what they do football-wise. Dabo likes continuity, and I think continuity can be good, but I also think continuity can be a thing that holds you back when you're limiting sort of like ideas um, and, and how to take the next steps sort of schematically. Um, and I think they need to do some of that, but I get, he didn't, I, I think he did make maybe one outside hire, but he still keeps it in house very much. So I don't know. I just think, I think, uh, I think Dabo's kind of strict adherence to continuity is catching up to him a little bit. Yeah. You know, I just, I, but they also I, won I 10, think, they also won 10 games last year. So. Yeah, I know. Started Ohio State and it was yeah. a disaster. Yeah, but it's like we talk about these programs like they've fallen off a cliff, and it's like they won ten games. Yeah. If Ohio State turned into ten and two, uh, if they, uh, and that was their natural landing spot, that would be a disaster. Yes, they should be. Ohio State should not be Wisconsin. I agree with that. Um, I don't even know if that's Wisconsin, but no, yeah, I'm not. I'm not saying that should be like ten and two is great every year. Like, hooray team, good job. Like, but. If your step back every now and then is, oh man, we only went ten and two and won the Rose Bowl. It's like, all right, well, if you if you come back, no, I know, and, and, and back, that's why we're if you come back the next year and do the things that are expected of you, then. That's, but that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about next year. Yeah, no, I, I think if it's if it's this again, that's not good enough. You can't have like back to back years of that. I don't, I don't think. Yeah, yeah, but I don't know if making the playoff and losing in the semifinal in a good game is drastically different in the law in the grand scheme of things than making the national title game and losing yeah what do, what do you think of the idea of like building towards something like donald asked in this question like if you looked at like oh i thought 2023 was really going to line up with, with that or maybe now it's 2022 because you got cj strauss last year like I, I don't really think ohio state has windows or at least the window is always open maybe it's open a little wider than it is Maybe it's open a little wider some years than it is in others, but I think it's always open. There hasn't been a single season since the playoff era began where Ohio State was not a good enough football team to make it. To make the playoff. Yeah. yeah. Even in 16 when they were kind of bad, they almost – I mean, they, they've they almost made it every year if they didn't. Even in – I mean, 16 they were – they had deficiencies and they did make it. Yeah. Yeah. 17 and 18 they didn't. And in those years, I think they were good – I don't think those years they were good enough to win it all, but I think they were clearly good enough to make it. Do they you want to know what I think is dead though, Bill? What's that? I think the the thought process from a fan of saying 
we have our quarterback this year, so this is the time to do it, is dead. I think the idea of like, like listen, that four years ago, I'm assuming there are people that said, if we don't win one with Justin Fields, we're screwed. Mm-hmm. And it's like the very next quarterback is now offering the same type of viewpoint. Right. So I think in this new world of transferring and five stars in the way that Ohio State has been recruiting at the position, even though Quinn Ewers left, I don't know that Ohio State's going to be in a position in the foreseeable future where they don't have a good quarterback. Yeah, I think that's right. I agree with that. So tying your expectations of national championship to, well, we were building to Quinn Ewers, and now he's not there anymore. It's just like, well, if their starting quarterback next year is Kyle McCord, and he's awesome, like they'll just be as likely to win it, I think, as they would have been if Quinn Ewers would have stayed in terms of the thought process of which quarterback would take over. And the fact of the matter is, is that Quinn Ewers could have stayed and lost to Kyle McCord. Because you, you talk to him, right? Like, what, where's he at? The things Like, it seems like he's in it for the long haul here. Yeah, I think I think it helps him that it's like he has clarity with that. Like, there's no – Quinn Ewers is not hovering over everything. Even, like, Jack Miller left. Like, Devin Brown is here, and I think Devin Brown is good. But, like, Kyle McCord is firmly entrenched as the two. And, like, I, I think somewhat firmly entrenched as the heir apparent to C.J. Stroud, and there's comfortability that comes with that, and it, that, that wouldn't be there otherwise. So he said all the right things. Like, he wasn't he wasn't really thinking about things that way, but I think you can kind of just tell from the way he was talking and carrying himself that he feels pretty good about the spot he's in. Yeah, and if Kyle McCord and Devin Brown leave, guess what? There will be somebody else, I promise. If Ohio State has a wide-open starting quarterback job, like for if, if everyone in the room got abducted by aliens and Ohio State needed a starting quarterback, like seven dudes are going to jump in the portal to come try to be Ohio State starting quarterback. Yes. So. I don't think there was ever going to be a case where they're, where you go into a season and their quarterback isn't good. Yeah, I think that's I agree with that. I think there's different levels of great. Yes. And I know that C.J. Stroud is awesome. I think he is a rung below Justin Fields. We'll see. Maybe that'll change in two years, but in my viewpoint of Ohio State's football program right now, I don't think they're as good. Would it be like if you could replace C.J. Stroud coming into this year with second-year starter at Ohio State, Justin Fields? I think you do that a hundred percent of the time, right? I think, and the fact that you're hesitating is making my head explode. No, I, like as as passers, I think they're the same, and C.J. might actually be better, um, but I would take Justin's athleticism just opens up so opens up but also that's not making fun of cj stroud we're talking about a guy who i pay money to collect their cards so i can get rich one no i want to see like i want to see like i was i was listening to the athletic football show i listened to that quite a bit robert mays and and nate tice i think they're awesome and nate tice always talks about like whether or not a quarterback can go get you a bucket like like basketball terminology and like justin fields can go get you a bucket i think cj stroud can but i'd like to see him do it a little more yeah and that would be the deciding factor if I was also CJ Stroud, and it's not his fault, so don't take it the wrong way. But I mean, maybe I shouldn't even say it. Just, just move on. Okay, <laughs> all right. It doesn't make sense. I was going to say he's zero one against Michigan, but that wasn't his fault. He could have played better in that game. Yeah, was, I, I, don't, I don't. They got their, they got their ass kicked. If you, yeah, if you make the list of things that was bad for Ohio State, you don't start with CJ Stroud. Certainly. Um, Next question is from Pete Sherman, a two-parter again. If Ohio State loses to Notre Dame, is Ryan Day on the hot seat? I don't yes. Know. Yes? I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> he's going to be on You guys should have seen Bill's face. Gonna, it was hilarious. <laughs> he's going to be on the hot seat with a brand-new contract <laughs> extension in hand, yeah. Uh, no. He's, yeah, after their first week loss yeah. on hot seat. No, he's not on the hot seat. Um, Overcooked chicken? Jail. Yeah. Undercooked fish? Believe it or not, jail. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I I think I understand the spirit of the question, but no, like not even close. I think if they miss the playoff next year, people will be disenchanted with him. I think that is true. Um, but I think they could lose to Notre Dame and still make the playoff, and people will forget about it by November. But he's about to get a contract extension that is like he's going to be here for a while. So like, how long do you think it would take of underwhelming seasons before people are like, we can't take this shit anymore? If Ohio State does not make the playoff in three consecutive years, I think probably. I mean, because the, the, the man has already been for a national championship game. The public at so large like, will be there next year, I think. But it's not about it's not about that really. It's about what Gene Smith thinks. So. And like university leadership and boosters, I, I suppose. There are certain. There's a certain sect of fans on Twitter that don't like him already, and I yeah. think we're taking a question from one of them here in a few minutes. So, uh, oh, 
<laughs> yeah. I don't... I like Ryan Day as a human being. I think he's good for Ohio State. I think that not liking him after what happened last year is a, a gross overreach. I think that if you're at Ohio... Because you got to remember, dude, people didn't like Urban Meyer after they went... You know, you remember what people thought of Urban Meyer after 18? Yeah. No, I know. It I mean, that's what it is here. It doesn't, so, doesn't take I mean, much for, for a fan yeah. base to sour on a coach. And um, also, it's you're, you're talking about somebody, too, that doesn't have the built-up legacy that Urban did after those two years, too. So mm-hmm. it's like it'd be very easy for somebody to say, Ryan Day inherited a really good football team and had Justin Fields and really rode the wave of that for the first two years and since then is losing traction of, on how to run this program. I think it's going to be a very interesting not interesting. It's going to be a very common thought process if Ohio State misses the playoff this year. If Ohio State loses to Notre Dame, and I don't, I don't think they will. But if they lose to Notre Dame, the world will burn. Uh, but Ryan Day will not actually be on the hot seat. Yeah, I wonder what, what do Ohio State fans think of Notre Dame now? Like, do they hate them now that Marcus? Do like, do they do people like Marcus Freeman? I find him to be a very likable person. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think. Uh, Maybe a little conflicted. I think they like him. He's a Buckeye. They certainly wanted him here. Um, didn't work out. But then, like, he goes and, like, hires Laurinaitis. He, I think, like, is recruiting some of the same guys. Like, said – he didn't he say something about Ohio State? Making that, a mistake. That, yeah, yeah make, 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 like, making a mistake by going – and then I think he, like, clarified that later. But, like, um, Maybe a little conflicted on him, and certainly I think would like to see him lose. He said something about like I'm happy I'm here at Notre Dame now. That way I didn't make the second the same, the same make the same twice, right? Yeah, or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But also, what is he supposed to say? Right, and like you're in that moment, like what? Yeah, people say things in those press conferences that yeah. If they took a second to think about it, the New York Times like, wanted me to come work for them and paid me a lot of money to be their head sports writer and. I would say that I can't believe I wasted my life working at the athletic. That's the way it works in, in all of all of employments, right? I mean, yeah. right now I love the athletic because they treat me good and I love working here. And, you know, people are people. You know what? Everybody wants a promotion and everybody wants to get paid more and everybody wants a new job if someone's going to pay you more, right? I love, I, mean, I, I love the food here. I love the food here. Uh, second question from Peter was, uh, opening day is coming up. What is your go-to item at the concession stand if you go to a ball game? You don't, uh, you don't. Sausage. Yeah, me too. Sausage and peppers all day. Yeah. 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 Uh, there's no, I mean, peanuts and stuff. Like, I like snacks and stuff, you know. But I hate, uh, I am not a very big fan of shitty nachos. Neither am I. Like, the gas station cheese whiz nachos yeah. kind of gross me out. Like movie theater nachos? I mean, don't get me wrong. I'll eat them. But, like, I, it's not what I'm ordering. Yeah. Um, but I think there's nothing better than a fresh sausage on a bun at a ballpark. Yeah, I agree. That's all. How do you get favorite. yours? Peppers and onions. So I put ketchup on mine, which probably is like where we're going to veer off. I don't, I don't put ketchup on mine. I, I if I put anything, I put mustard on there. Um, yeah. I don't begrudge people who put ketchup on a hot dog or a sausage. Well, you like, have ridiculed me many times whatever. for putting ketchup on multiple things. Whatever, so you, I didn't you put know ketchup, was, well, because you put ketchup on chicken fingers, and that's insane. I love ketchup, and that's insane. I love ketchup. That's that's uh, insane behavior. Uh, I used to go to Phillies games, and I don't think they have it there anymore. They had a sandwich there when a new ballpark first, first opened up. It was called the Schmitter, named after Mike Schmidt. Um, it was like a, um, I don't know, we called them Kaiser rolls. I don't know what people call them, like the round rolls. Um, and it had uh, salami, uh, like cheesesteak beef, salami, cheese, fried onions, and tomatoes on it. And it was like all fried. That together. sounds great. It was awesome. Yeah. I, I used to work at the Phillies ballpark, and I would like. I would, oh, you did? Yeah, I would eat one like every day. <laughs> What were you, what was your job there? Uh, they had like uh, games for the kids on the concourse, like um, like a giant yeah. like pinball machine or like you know pitch them and tip them kind of thing. We try to knock the catchers over and stuff, and I just like helped run those games. Got there two hours before the ball game started. Had to work until the sixth inning, and then I got to hang out, and watch the last three innings. It's great. So did you watch a lot of the games? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did that for two or three summers when I was in high school. It was a good time. When they would have very long innings, where you'd be like, "We hurry this shit up." Yeah, <laughs> double hitters were the worst, dude. Oh my god! Um, and they had because uh, it's always hot as balls out there. The too. summer, like the summer day games. That the one thing, the only jo- part of the job that sucked. Uh, they have like this giant jungle gym that's like Philly fanatic themed, and at the very top, there's like this bubble that you have to that you go through to get to the big slide. It goes all the way down, but one of us had to sit in the bubble 
to make sure that the kids like weren't hanging out up there. That they kept God, I'm getting nauseous just thinking about it. It was so hot in there. Like you, we, we would do shifts. Like you couldn't stay in there for more than like ten minutes. It was awful. And then I was like, uh, I'm fat. I can't do this. I'm going to die. Like, okay, you don't have to do it anymore. So yeah. One time, um, one time being overweight worked out for me. Did you? Uh, did you get free concessions or did you have to pay for it? We got uh, discounted concessions, but then we also like people would hook you up every now and then. Yeah, I mean you gotta, you know, yeah, gotta know the people. Got some grease and elbows, and also Take like people City like uh, like people who were like the ushers and stuff would like some guy who like lived in South Philly would come with like a crate of cheesesteaks to every game, and like you could buy a cheesesteak from him from three dollars instead of buying one for eight dollars from the concession stand. So, like I would do that sometimes too. It was, it was good. Hey, what do you think of uh, the Guardians uh, name? I never asked you that. Uh, it's fine. I think it's a cool logo. I like the logo. I I wasn't uh, yeah. Well, let's not, let's not have that conversation. Uh, Guardians is fine. <laughs> I didn't ask you what you thought of the old yeah. logo. I asked you what you thought of the new one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, no, Guardians is okay. I like it. It ties in with the city. It makes sense. Uh, it's better. I, th- I just thought it was a really cool logo. Like for what they did, it's like it could have been worse. Yeah, I like it better than than like. Because I don't like the Commanders in the NFL. I don't I think like that's Commanders either. Cheesy. They tied in like that that whatever that bridge is like, like leads the progressive field. Like that's like kind of the logo. Yeah. Like, it, it makes sense. I like that. I don't like uh, Kraken either. Oh, I love the Kraken. I don't. I just. I don't like team names that don't end with an S. Oh yeah, Kraken. Like Thunder. Like I don't like. The, I don't know what. I mean, unless it's socks, I guess. But like don't the Magic or Magic. the thun- yeah. yeah, the Thundering Herd, like the Cardinal. Fighting, I don't like any. Fighting, like, fighting Irish. Let's just be plural. We're a team. I hate people helping people. The okay. Notre Dame Fighting Irishes. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay, uh, here's a question from Robert. He emailed in um, recruiting question right up Ari's alley. Ohio State has had some sex. Excuse me. Ohio State has had some sex. Ohio State has had some success in Georgia in the past, but seeing all the recruits visiting the Woody from Georgia seems pretty weird, considering that the Bulldogs just won a national title uh, outside of Florida. I can't remember a time when Ohio State went so heavily into a place like Georgia that doesn't have a program that's currently down. What's the likelihood Ohio State breaks into Georgia significantly with this next class? I mean, Ohio State has had success in Georgia, but Kirby Smart wasn't the head coach, and they weren't coming off of a national championship. Um, let me just Google real quick. Best players in, in Georgia for the 23 class. I have and then we'll, I have some numbers that, while you're doing that. Uh, all right, say the numbers. So Georgia has 32 four-star prospects in 2023. That's according to 247 Sports, because when I looked it up, their composite rankings weren't working for some reason. But they have over more than 30 four-star prospects in the state. This year, they had more than 30. Last year, they had 29 they have in 31 in the composite. Okay, they had 29 And in of those 31, 30, the, the, the lowest-ranked one is rated number 326. Yeah. So all takeable players, probably. If you, if, if not all of them, but certainly way more than George is going to take. And I also think too, like there are certain states where they just play good high school ball, where it's like even if a kid's a three star, you might value him a little more because of where he's, he's a three star from a state like Georgia, where they play really good high school football. Yeah. You know what's crazy, and I think I've said this on this podcast before, but Alabama has uh, five five star prospects in that state uh-huh. this year. And 13 top 100 players or something like that, which is, I think, typical for Alabama, but not as top-heavy. They don't normally have that and many I'm, five stars, yeah. I'm, yeah, yeah. and I'm very curious if Alabama's, half of Alabama's class is just in-state kids, if that alleviates the pressure on Ohio State for secondary competition in, in Georgia, which I think is an interesting dynamic because Florida is also a much better recruiting outfit than it was before. So I think that Florida is going to have... have uh, 
some of that Georgia space, but Clemson also emphasizes uh, Georgia very much. So I don't think it's a surprise because actually Georgia's not that far from Ohio. Like I think it's a manageable drive. That's the other thing. I think even I forget sometimes. Like Columbus to Atlanta, I think it's like an eight-hour drive. Um, when I went and did that story on Harry Miller four years ago, I drove. Yeah. And I did it in two days. Like there and back. Like I woke up and actually three days. One full day of driving, spent the day with him and his family, drove home the next day. Yeah, it's pretty close. And there's also uh, reasonable direct flights on Delta from Columbus to Atlanta, too. Like, it's an easy place to get to from here. Also, Georgia, um, in the 2022 class, recruited players from everywhere. They only took 12 kids out of Georgia in the 2022 class and got kids from Florida, which is a huge emphasis for them. Texas, Alabama, California, Louisiana, Mississippi, North Carolina, and Tennessee. Like, Georgia is kind of like a weird thing to me because they're such a good recruiting program, but like they don't emphasize their in-state. Like if you go look, Georgia's like a uh, conversion rate on in-state prospects. Isn't nearly as good as Ohio state's is in Ohio. Yeah. It's very strange. Cause we, we would criticize Mark Richt about that. Like remember we, were, we wrote stories about that, um, but Kirby smarts the same way. There's a lot, like if you go back and look and, and I guess I could do that right now um, at the top 10 players in, in Georgia last year, the top six, only Georgia got two. One, one, one went to A&M. Oh, shit, man. The top eight, on Georgia only got two. Three, uh, four out of the top ten, but A&M, Alabama, Jackson State got the other one. So, like, there was a lot of – and those are all top 100 players, too. Yeah. And Georgia only came away with three of the top 100 players, which is insane. So, my answer to that question is it's kind of a tough go of it, but if you're going to be Ohio State – it would not be surprising if they had some success there. I don't know that it's going to be their secondary market, but I do think that they are certainly equipped and probably against the ropes a little bit to some degree to have to do it because Ohio is so light this year to go in and get a few of those guys. Would not surprise me one bit. You have to be there. It's like if you want to, you can't win, not be if there, you want to yeah. win national titles, you have to be in Georgia, Florida, Texas, California. Well, maybe not California, but Georgia, Florida, Georgia, Florida Texas. Um, those are the three. And, and Ohio State's had a pretty good presence in Georgia for a little bit. Um, they took two in 2022. They took one in 21. They did not take any in 2020. They took two in 2019. Uh, this year, like they are, everyone's after Caleb Downs, but I think they have a shot. And it's like that. If the Ohio State pulled Caleb Downs out of Georgia, like that would be one of their, maybe their their best recruiting wins as I've been covering them. I don't like he's the best safety in the country, five star prospect, like a top ten player. Um, everybody wants him. If they pulled that kid out of there, that would be a huge, huge, huge deal. But they're also I'm on high alert for Ohio State in this in this cycle just to see how they do. Yeah, and the, the thing you also have to take take into account too, Bill, is like Georgia took a few kids last year in the 40s in the state of Georgia. So you're always going to have those stragglers that aren't properly evaluated that the big time programs want. Right. Like in Alabama, took the number 37 and number 35 player in the state of Georgia last year. So there's a lot of depth in that there's state. There's a ton of a ton of depth in Georgia. So I get like to answer the like what's the likelihood that Ohio State breaks into Georgia in a significant way? I don't know. I guess like significant would be like more than two because that's more than they've had recently. Yeah. So, but I I think that's possible with Caleb Downs. Like Raul Guire is a linebacker. They like Kay and Lee is a corner. They definitely like who's going to be visiting. I think maybe late this week or next week. Um, AJ Hoffler's defensive lineman who's been really high in Ohio state and Larry Johnson for a while. So I, D- downs is like, is the one, but even if they don't get him, I still think they can end up with multiple guys from Georgia in this class. And I think more and more, you're going to have to do that as Ohio, like kind of fluctuates, as you said, and maybe the geography or the, the landscape out West is a little more difficult. Um, I think Georgia and Florida are always going to be in play. Like so maybe even like no matter how good those programs are, just because there's so many guys there, there's so many good players down there. So I, I don't think mm-hmm. Ohio State's always going to be there. Um, from our guy, B1G Ryan, uh, the Internet's number one Nebraska fan on Twitter, uh, he asked, uh, what is the most deadly predator you've ever consumed as part of a meal? I was with you when I had mine. Alligator? Yeah. Yeah, that's my answer, too. I, was trying I don't to... know that there's a – is there one that's higher up on the predator food chain? Do people eat, like, shark? I don't know. I'm sure oh, they do, I right? Know. Probably in Hawaii. Dude, we are killing it with the movie references right. today. Yeah, we are. Um, we should probably answer more questions. When I, when I think of when I think, when I think about the predator, predator, I think of like which animal I'd be most scared of. I don't know what where, where they rank on the food chain, like because honestly, I don't know if the if the alligator is on the food chain of the foods that we typically consume. But I have had like I've had it several times. I like it. Um, yeah, I think it's odd. I seek it out when I'm in a place you can get it. I don't want to 
eat something that people make dress shoes out of. It's a dinosaur. But also, of all the things that people eat, what's the thing that you would least likely want to come across? And alligator is the answer. Yeah, I don't. Like, know. I think alligator is the the furthest down the. I mean, nobody eats lion oh, or so bear. The people eat lions so, or bears. Yeah, I don't think so. I, I find alligators the 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 layup answer here. Yeah, alligator. I ate kangaroo one time. You did? Yeah, in Australia. <laughs> Shocked. <laughs> but I don't. I didn't find, know they ate them. I don't find those uh, particularly. Uh, Terrifying. Yeah. It's what did it taste like? Mostly uh, kind of like uh, like venison. I don't know if you've ever had deer. I have. Sim- similar to that, yeah. It wasn't bad. It was weird to like, it was kind of strange because like we went to like a wildlife reserve the day before. We were just like hanging out with kangaroos, like feeding them and stuff. And the next day I was eating a kangaroo burger. I was like, this feels weird. Um, I got one for you. Bison? I Is love, that a predator? I've had bison. Bison. I don't think bison's a predator. No. I don't know if you want to get rammed by one of those fucking things. That's true. That's a good point. Yeah. That's a good point. I think it has to be alligator. Alligator number this one. This podcast, and I I do a lot of them at The Athletic, this one is by far the one that goes the most off the rails. That's great. That's great. That's great. Um, let's do another football question, shall we? Um, let's see. We got 51 minutes. Let's. What part of the fast food sandwich is most critical to being good? <laughs> I wouldn't mind answering that, but I, don't, I, I try not to do food. Back Just answer it quickly. I think it's I think it's the quality of the ingredients overall, which is like a, a wide ranging thing. But I want to, I want which is interesting that you like Wendy's more than In and Out. I want to contradictory. I want to eat a fast food sandwich and be able to convince myself that I'm eating what they're telling. Like I don't like eating McDonald's chicken nuggets knowing that it's not chicken. Um, I want to I want to be able to trick myself into thinking I'm eating what I actually is. What is I think the the, the quality of the ingredients between the buns. But also, the filet fish has the best bun in all of fast food, so it's kind yeah. of an interesting... I don't get too caught up. But I, I'm a big bread guy, but I don't get too caught up in the bread of a sandwich that cost me $4, so... Yeah, gotcha. Um, okay. That was from uh, Brandon, by the way. Brandon also had other questions about, like, Ohio State's, like, championship and stuff like that, but I, I'm hoping we answered we, many of that, or much of that. We also uh, picked the most important... That's right, that's right. You can't ask us a football question and a food question, because we're going to pick the food every time. Um, from let's skip the CJ Stroud one. Jeremy had a question about like CJ Stroud and more up tempo stuff. Um, I think maybe we could talk about that at a later date and like kind of you guys can get a beer and talk kind, about that kind of CJ's growth and some of that stuff. Um, he's good. How about this? He's great. This question from Michael Cassandra uh, Is it realistic to think that if Kevin Wilson were to leave, that Brian Hartline would become the offensive coordinator, or if the situation went nuclear and that Hartline would become the head coach if and when Ryan Day leaves for the NFL? It's hard to imagine Hartline sticking around much longer as a position coach. I'm going to um, rephrase this question because I'm very curious to know what your answer would be. Okay. If Ryan Day got suspended for some reason, who would be the interim head coach on the staff? Who? Because I think it would be Brian Hartline. The only other... Oh no! Well, well, Larry Johnson. Larry Johnson. Larry Johnson. Larry Johnson did yeah. It. Larry Johnson did it when Ryan Day got COVID. Yeah. So Larry Johnson. Yeah. Um, I think Tony Alford would be in that conversation too. Been around a long time. Has I think he also has an associate head coach title. Um, doesn't have a coordinator title, but I think maybe he might get some consideration. Would it be? It would be Larry. I think would be acting head coach if if Ryan Day got, I don't know, whatever, suspended, whatever. Or if he got COVID, yeah. temporarily abducted by aliens. Um. I do. They probed him up there. That's right. That's right. I do think. Uh, I do think Hartline would probably be in line for the OC title if Kevin Wilson were to like, get a head coaching job somewhere after this year. Um, Brian Hartline, by the way, on Wednesday when we're recording this, his like contract was released. He's he's gotten bumped. He's making nine hundred and fifty thousand dollars as receivers coach and passing game coordinator. I feel good for him because he was poor before he. That's right. Yeah, Fam- famously didn't have a job that paid him a shit ton of money before, <laughs> before coming to this one. But did he have a max contract in the NFL? He, yeah. He well, yeah, he earned it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm not saying that he didn't earn it. I'm just saying he got a great, like, oh, his second. Con- yeah, he got a yeah. really good second contract. Um, and there was always a thing with him. Was like, how much money do you need to pay Brian Hartline to keep him happy or keep him around? And I'm not saying I don't know if like I think you should always pay people what they're worth. So I'm happy that he's getting yeah, it. and and Notre Dame made a run at him, so like Ohio State had to keep him. Um, 
and now he's got a little bit of a I don't I don't know what passing game coordinator really means for him. I don't I don't know if that changes much of his like day to day or what he was doing before. We haven't talked to those guys um this spring. We're gonna talk to them after the spring game, so maybe we can get more clarity on that then. But he is he is I guess more than just a position coach right now. But I do think if they needed an OC, I would guess it'd be Heartline. I suppose it could be Alfred. My guess is that it would be Heartline. And honestly, like I know we talk a lot about like hypotheticals, like if Ryan Day was ever not the head coach here, I think most people would say it's Luke Fickle. I think Brian Hartline probably has a better chance at that job than anyone would want to give him credit for right now, or give him give him a, a chance of having right now. Yeah, well, the thing is interesting to me is that for you and me, I think that we differ, and maybe you're you're right on the differing, which is in your quarter in, in your coordinator role. What do you want more out of that position for, in terms of strength? Do you want an ace recruiter as your coordinator, or do you want a guy who just knows ball? And, like, to me, and this isn't to say that Brian Hartline doesn't know it, but I think that everybody is hyper-focused on losing him for the main reason of all the players that he signed. Yep. So my question is, as it relates to Brian Hartline and your perception of how he's doing there, how ready would he be to step into a similar role at Ohio State or a coordinator role at Ohio State or a similar role to that at another place from a football standpoint? I think he'd be ready. I think he could handle it. Um, he seems he seems to know ball. I think he knows ball. Um, he's been in a pretty good offense here. The other thing with that, too, is like if he's Ryan Day's OC, then he's like not really the OC, um, which could actually be like a really good spot for him if he can kind of like – learn some more of that while the the head coach is the actual play caller. Um, but I think I don't, I don't think that I don't think a coordinator job or a head coaching job, if that's what Brian Hartline wants would be too big for him. Like, I, I just think he has the makeup for, for I'm always kind of surprised at how few times the Ohio state offensive coordinator has taken head coaching jobs elsewhere. Herman did. Yeah. I mean, that was like, Seven years ago. Yeah. And Jim Bowman was here forever. And, like, especially the last seven years when, like, obviously the number one thing that everybody wants during a coaching search is the sexiest offensive coordinator you can find from a program that wins a lot. It's like, I know Kevin Wilson had his had his issues at his previous stop as a head coach, so maybe that's part of the deal there. But, like, it's it is, a... Yeah. I think that it is a very weird dynamic because Ohio State's offense has been so prolific for so long and there isn't a lot of coordinator movement on that side of the ball. Well, when it was good, Herman got the, got a head coaching job. When it was bad, they had to get rid of Ed Warner and Tim Beck. When it was good again, they made that guy the head coach at Ohio State. So. Oh, I guess that's a pretty good movement. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, bud. Right, one more question. Okay. From Richie. He's got a two-parter. Well, yeah, two-parter. It's probably a pretty easy answer for both of us. If you had to bet a year's salary on one of the two scenarios, which would you bet happens first? Chris Holtman leads Ohio State to a Big Ten regular season championship outright, Big Ten regular season championship, or Ryan Day leads Ohio State football to a national championship? Ohio State football to a national championship. Yeah, me too. Because I think that might happen like next year, and Chris Holtman's not going to win the Big Ten next year. Uh, and the second part of the question was, uh, what's your least and most – I put famous. I don't know why I put famous. Favorite Easter candy? I mean, peeps are trash. Peeps are trash. And that's important to say. The Easter egg shaped Reese's peanut butter cup is the best, but I don't know if that's a traditional. Uh, right. Is that a traditional Easter candy? I, I would also say that's my favorite, and I appreciate Reese's ability to change the shape of its candy according to the holiday. Um, but what is like the typical Easter candy? I'm a Jew, so you got to help me out here. Is it just, <laughs> like a chocolate bunny, it, I guess. I like, I like the Cadbury eggs. The Cadbury. I like the, are those the eggs that are filled with like. Uh, caramel there's caramel and then there's the cream eggs I like, I like the caramel more yeah yeah i mean all, all easter candy is is the reshaping of other things into an egg shape right that's right uh my okay. least favorite peeps is a good one peeps are trash i also don't like jelly beans unless they're star oh. unless they're starburst jelly beans jelly beans are weird because if you get the wrong flavor they're absolutely disgusting mm. but if you get the right flavor they're good they just taste like mike and ike to me so it's just you gotta you gotta thread the needle there a little bit that's right that's right i, I also have zero sweet tooth I don't have a tremendous sweet tooth. I like candy every now and then. Britt had a had a sweet tooth the other night, and I went to Central Market because they sell Grater's Pints here. Oh, nice. And it's 1,500 calories for a pint of ice cream. And I tr- 
tried like a small spoon of it and I was like, I can't eat any more of this. You know, like, it doesn't, it does not appeal to me. I've taken to uh, buying sugar free pudding or jello when I, when I, I oh, the sugar free pudding is pretty good because it's helps, not over the top. I find it helps take the edge off a little bit when you get that, when you get that craving. And you could eat a million of the jellos and it would never put a dent into your diet because yeah. I think there's only like five calories in yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. It's not bad. It's not bad. All right. Yeah. <clears throat> Go buy Follow some. us for more for diet loopholes. <laughs> All right. We'll wrap up there. Thank you uh, again so much for sending in your questions. Uh, subscribe to The Athletic, why don't you? Theathletic.com slash 4-6. You can sign up for a buck. Uh, spring game is in, what, like 10 days? Next episode, we're going to do a draft. We're going to draft the roster. Um, and we'll set parameters for that beforehand. We're going to draft the roster, talk about it a little bit, um, and kind of give you guys, I think, more of a... I'm getting Donovan Jackson. Yeah, we'll see about that. Um so that's my pick, I'm telling you. And if you take him before me, I'm not doing it. We'll see. Uh, we'll figure out how exactly we want to do that and, and try to talk about a roster, the roster in like a little bit different way heading into the spring game. So look forward to that next week. And thanks for listening.